Julia. A warm welcome to you. And of course, thank you for checking out the Streaming Wisdom solo and sometimes podcast. A place for you to thoroughly relish in a stream of embodied wisdom. Whether it's my wisdom, someone else's, or your very own wisdom activated by what you're hearing. This is for you if you're desiring stellar shifts in perspective that liberate you from self-sabotage and illuminate your authentic self and true nature. It's especially for you if you love a good yarn showcasing the magic and mystery of life and how enchanting it truly is. And I'm talking about stories with purpose, the kind that bring forth a state of awe, optimism, and trust in yourself and your fellow humans. These stories are intended to help you cultivate your own wisdom as you pioneer new ways of being in the realms of leadership, health and wellness, inner growth, relationships, purpose, creative expression, and much more. Would you like to know what we're getting up to? Well, together we'll eagerly ride the waves beyond fear, beyond drama, and even beyond the pursuit of truth to a place of simply what is real right now about who we are and the nature of reality. By tuning in, you are also fine-tuning yourself to the frequencies of love, power, and wisdom, which is the ultimate intention of streaming wisdom. So thank you in advance for the wonderful contribution you are making to yourself that's rippling out to all humankind, all beings, and our beautiful home that is Earth. I hope you're as excited as I am and simultaneously relaxing into a comfy place to enjoy this episode of Streaming Wisdom. I am so honored that you are tuning in to my very first stream. It is a topic that is so dear to me. It is close to my heart. It has been building for years, my whole life actually. It's about choosing life and calling our vibration into dreaming. Ah, it feels so good when I say that. (laughs) And don't worry if it doesn't make sense. I fully intend that it will by the end of the episode. But we will see. We will see. Today, it is mid-February 22. And I want to share with you one of my most recent realizations. It is a whopping one around my power and where it's going (laughs) and also my self-sabotaging behavior. Oh, I can't believe I still self-sabotage after all this time and all this work. Yeah, I was (laughs) and I probably still am. I just can't see it. But at least I have shined the light on a massive aspect of how I was sabotaging myself And it was a huge one impacting my mental state, my thoughts, my choices in life, behaviors, actions, my emotional state, and certainly my health. And if it can have this sort of impact on me and my power, 
and my behavior, then surely it's going to be relevant for someone else out there, which is why I am so keen to stream about this because it has made a world of difference for me. And the only thing left for me to do is to gift it forward. And if you're new to my storytelling, there will be some backstories for context, no doubt. There will be plenty of semi-related side stories that I just can't leave out, (laughs) of course. There will be some insight and wisdom dropping right through in the moment, and it will all weave in together to one big yarn that will hopefully all come together in the end. (laughs) So again, we will see, we will see. So this was a huge discovery that was directly related to my ongoing depression and frequent desire to no longer live. Yep, we're getting honest and raw right up because that was the truth of my situation. I had to regularly talk myself into staying alive and not that I would see the end of my life. But in truth, there were a lot of motivational speeches that I had to keep giving myself to keep going on. And this was happening on a pretty regular basis. This began in my mid-twenties when I saw the very first sign of my mental breakthrough, which was a giant mental breakdown. Up until that point, I had experienced a lifetime of anxiety. Pretty much since I remember being alive, I felt anxious. And I also had bouts of depression ongoing in and out. And when I had my breakdown, that depression turned into suicidal fantasies. And that has been my experience ever since. Although in the last two to three years, I have felt that shift and almost leave my field completely, which is wonderful. And it feels like this recent experience of mine has played a bit of a role in tying off or completing this vicious cycle which I also know was incredibly necessary and helped me get to where I am today. This was at the very end of 2020 and because Christmas was cancelled for us, my partner and I went on an impromptu holiday to the Carnarvon Gorge in Queensland, which is an amazing oasis in the middle of kilometres of rugged flatland and ranges. Oh, and it's a spectacular place, 200 million years in the making. And it's so pretty because all the cliffs are made of sandstone, which show all these vibrant, beautiful colors. The place is full of moss gardens, small rapids, water springs, and the most incredible rock art by the First Nations people, the originals. One of the very first sensations I felt when I got to this place was hope, so much hope for life, for nature, for humankind and all of our species. The place had clearly been decimated by fires in the past and we were walking around witnessing, experiencing the regrowth, the land that wants to come back and it was so alive and fresh and green and bright. Oh, I got such a beautiful message from the wisdom of Carnarvon Gorge, which was no matter how much you get beaten down, you can always come back. 
nature always comes back. It wants to. And that includes human nature. And after our first year of madness, that was a really powerful, timely message to receive. So a few days into the year, it was the morning of my 38th birthday. Instead of walking through the gorge, we decided to climb it to get the view. We left so early and arrived after a big hike about 15 minutes after the sun was coming up to a magnificent view as well, by the way. It was stunning. Oh, it reminded me of places like the Blue Mountains and in the Great Dividing Range, but you can see so much further and the land feels largely untouched, so ancient and so free. Even though thousands of tourists flock there every year, there's no fences and borders being placed that cut off the land. There's no big structures being built into the foundation of the rock and the horizon isn't littered with buildings. You just get to see the land and watch the water flow where it wants to flow, not where it's been directed by man. The land gets to be the land <laughs> in this magical place. So I'm in awe, I'm in ecstasy actually, thinking, oh my goodness, I love my life. <laughs> I am so happy that Christmas was cancelled so I could be here with the man that I love, watching this amazing sunrise. We were all alone up there and the colours were magnificent. I could feel the intentions for my year ahead brewing inside of me and I honestly felt spectacular from the inside out. Which makes it a little strange, well, not for me, that by the end of the day, I had plummeted into a dark, horrible, depressed state. I was having my choosing life moment. And I noticed when I left the gorge that my mood slowly very gradually started to plummet. And as the day went on, I seemed to fall out of flow. Uh, the things that I wanted to do on my birthday, I just couldn't do them. It, it was really frustrating and it turned into anger. And I'd surrendered by that evening. I was sitting outside our little glamping tent, having some snacks with my partner. And I knew the anger and frustration was just surface level. There was something deeper going on. I think because of the land had triggered a lot of processing in me. And it was also a new year and my birthday, which is a bit of a double whammy for life reflection. <laughs> Anyone who has a birthday in the new year time will probably understand this, that your birthday is about a whole new year as well whilst you're having a new year on earth it's really it's a really intense time for me <laughs> so i'm reflecting about life and even though i have so many wonderful things and i'm sitting in the most amazing place oh it was gorgeous i became numb to it i couldn't feel the beauty the magic of where we were i was just so deep in my own darkness and I started sharing really honestly where I was at. In a nutshell, I didn't feel like I belonged with humankind in earth. I didn't seem to get what other people were getting. I didn't seem to enjoy the chase. It felt like everyone was always chasing for something. 
I wasn't participating in society in a way that I was led to believe was acceptable. Honestly, I felt like a freak, a total freak. Weird, but I knew that I didn't want to be like anyone else. <laughs> well, I don't mean anyone else. I mean, yeah, I do mean that. I don't want to be like anyone else, but I certainly didn't want to be like the majority of people out there in this nine to five existence, this rat race, pretending that this shit matters. Like it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> Look at what's real. And unfortunately, in that moment, I couldn't access any of that. I couldn't see what was real right in front of me. And then I went on and shared, I don't really see a point of being here. I'm done. Like, why are you here? I was asking my partner, what's the point of being here? You're weird like me. (laughs) What are you doing here as well? And this was a really gentle choosing life moment. I wanted to share this one with you because... One, it's not too dark. (laughs) We're early in on the stream. And two, it really shows you what was possible for me in one day or minutes or hours or months where I could be on a high for that long and then out of nowhere plummet into darkness and vice versa. And I used to ride this roller coaster of extremities my whole life. It was intense. And I got extreme pleasure and ecstasy and bliss and joy out of it to a point where people might consider me manic, which hurt a little bit because when I was depressed, my behavior was crap. And when I was really happy, my behavior was wrong. It was too much. It was a pretty intense journey that fortunately led to my realization about choosing life. So what is choosing life? I'm going to start with a story, which is by far the best way to show you what I mean. Around five years ago, I was walking through some lovely bushland in the south of Brisbane. I was on my way to visit a friend for most likely the very last time because she was on her deathbed. So it was a pretty tough time and I was very thankful to be walking in this place that I'd spent a lot of time in. Actually, I loved it. (laughs) There were lots of eucalypt trees and a lot of bird life, particularly kookaburras. The paths were all unmanicured, very bush-like, and often I didn't see too many people. I spent a lot of mornings walking in this park in such a beautiful place, wondering why I would feel so awful. And as I continued on, (laughs) out of nowhere, I would catch myself out in a huge stream of negative thinking, negative loops running rampant in my mind. And it would shock me and I would stop in my tracks. And at the moment of realization, the kookaburras would erupt in laughter. (laughs) Like they realized as if they were signifying to me that they were listening into my thoughts and thought it was hilarious. (laughs) Now this happened a lot because at the time I was in a pretty tumultuous relationship and I was still in my nine to five existence, which made me feel miserable. So there was a lot of mental chatter anguish and arguments going on upstairs if you know what I mean and these kookaburras were on cue every time like they were a part of an orchestra and they would laugh for so long (laughs) 
sometimes it would happen multiple times in a walk. I would carry on aware of my thoughts and eventually they would get worse and more negative and then I would realize again and stop and the kookaburras would erupt again. (laughs) So this land was special to me. I felt very safe, very connected and really supported every time that I was there. And this particular walk was the one I will never forget. My friend who I was on my way to visit appeared right in front of me. She beat me, actually. And I stopped in my tracks because it happened very quickly. Her presence was quite strong. I was in awe because on one level she was confined in a body, in her bed, and on another level she was flying free. She was visiting. I like to think she visited everyone she wanted to and shared a message like she did with me. And my message just so happened to snap me out of my ongoing semi-coma. She said, if you don't choose life, you're going to end up just like me. Oh, I still feel the power and truth in her words. And basically she meant, you're going to end up leaving. And I don't necessarily think that that was her experience, that she didn't choose life and therefore left. I think she was roaming free and accessing infinite wisdom and sharing with me the exact message that I needed to hear. And I got it. She left me immediately to ponder what I had just received, but it didn't take long to settle into my body. There was no doubt that she was right. I hadn't chosen life. I'd never heard of that concept before and yet I was always in this place of neutrality and indifference, so-so about living. I'd never really chosen to be here and as I felt into a more, I had a bit of anger about being here. I wonder if perhaps the place that I came from was so much better and I just have a memory of that or I had an expectation of what it would be like here that wasn't met. I didn't really understand it at the time, but I knew that I was in resistance to living, which is a little bit like pressing the eject button, get me out of here, get me out of here, without even realizing it. And I certainly didn't appreciate my life most of the time. And I know that appreciation adds value. It fuels things. It gives so much more life to whatever it is you're appreciating. And in the absence of appreciation, I can see why things are taken away from us. And in this case, it could have been my life. You might imagine that a small panic button was set off inside of me. (laughs) It was a very confronting message to receive, even though it was a beautiful experience to be visited that way. And a lot of that panic stemmed from the fact that I knew I couldn't just go out and choose life the very next day because I was suffering in my body that had so much physical pain and in my emotional and mental body, which experienced a lot of anguish and disharmony, as you might already know. (laughs) But that day was definitely the beginning of the end of my resistance to living. And of course, I resisted life in the future. I had many more choosing life moments, as you know. 
but I had reached the point of a healing crisis. And I wish I knew this at the time, that all of those choosing life moments didn't mean that I was in a really bad situation. I was actually healing and alchemizing possibly my entire universal journey and every incarnation in this beautiful place where I experienced suffering throughout life and therefore a resistance to coming back or continuing on, however that may have looked at the time. Everything was coming up at once and I was metaphorically going through the eye of the needle of a lifelong issue of depression and not wanting to be here. Obviously, this had to happen. Why would anyone want to stay that way? So I am so grateful for this journey, but it was very challenging at times. I did promise I would share what choosing life means to me. Well, firstly, it's a choice made well beyond the conscious mind to really be here in Earth, having this experience with all beings in all dimensions, and of course, including your fellow humans. Second, it's a giant blind spot. (laughs) Absolutely, because everyone in one way or another has to choose life and they don't even know it. Depending on your unique experience, you may have chosen life in the womb or when you came out and entered Earth's womb. Lucky for you if it happened that early on. Some may choose it later. And I'm sure that many have entered the death space without ever really choosing life whilst they were alive. And something that feels true to me right now is perhaps humankind never really had to choose life. And even though lots of people did, there were many people that went through all of life with this resistance to living. But I feel like humankind has now entered the ultimate test where we are all having to choose life and it's becoming less of a subconscious decision and more of a conscious decision, at least for all the people who haven't yet. And this is all going to make sense as the story continues to unravel. I'm sure, I hope, (laughs) we'll see again. But I wanted to say that because I think it's really important to be aware of in these very trying times around your own experience of choosing life but also your loved ones, where they're at in the scheme of things. So how do you know if you have chosen life? Oh, you know, (laughs) trust me, you know. Actually, don't trust me, trust you. Trust your first instinct when you heard this concept, perhaps for the first time, perhaps not, but you would have felt it somewhere deep inside of you. Oh yes, I've already done that. Or, ooh, I'm still in the process of doing that. Well, if you're in the latter category, oh, you're going to relate to this story. And if you're not, trust me, you know somebody who is, and I bet you love them, and I think this is going to help you understand their situation and potentially harmonize any of those misunderstandings, miscommunications that can happen because of just simply not knowing someone's situation well enough. I'm feeling a lot of energy right now. (laughs) I had an idea that when I would do these streams that I would feel everyone co-creating in this wisdom as I was streaming it. 
that was just an idea. But the reality is, even though you're listening to this weeks, months, maybe years later, I can feel the wisdom that you're bringing through that's wanting to be shared. I really do acknowledge and take ownership over a lot of the wisdom that I'm bringing through, but I certainly acknowledge that it comes from so many other people. From the stories that I hear, I love listening to people and finding out what has happened in their world to make them who they are. And I receive so much from people. So this feels like a big story that's for all of us. And I'm, as I said, feeling it. And I'm just really (laughs) having a moment of appreciation for you and thanking you for your contribution to this stream. So the choosing life stuff got even more real and more deep as time went on. One particular time I was flying to Sydney and boarding outside. I'm walking up the stairwell as the pilots are coming down. I felt a strangeness in my body and all I can describe is a lot of information, like a wave coming through me. It was a wave of death. I tasted so much death. So I'm pretty sure most people would assume that that was to do with the flight, like a warning, don't get on the plane because it's going to end in death. And what did I do? I walked right up those stairs because I didn't give a fucking damn if I was going to die. In fact, it would have been a relief to go down. I was so okay with whatever the outcome. Fly, we make it. Great. Fly, we die. Great. Literally, that's where I was at. (laughs) I'm only laughing now because it seems comical to me that the same woman is saying these words. I don't in any way mean to be insensitive to anyone experiencing this right now, this precipice of life. It's full on. I got on the plane and besides a little bit of turbulence, thanks universe, you were very funny, we landed all in one piece and I had plenty of time to consider what I'd experience and to really process it through my body. And what came through was a giant wave of death was coming for humankind. A huge culling of the population. This concept wasn't really that new to me either. I think a lot of people were picking up on this, that times were becoming very intense, that were physically expressed, but energetically, oh, a whole nother level and that a part of the population would really struggle to make it through the next little while. And I didn't in any way mean to be dark or negative about it, it's just reality. The mental health issues, the physical health issues, and where our economy was going, what was happening globally, oh my goodness, like I feel that was a pretty valid reality check at the time. I arrived at my friend's place. The very next morning, she awoke to some news that a friend in her community had passed, whether it was suicide or some other cause. I'm not sure if anyone really knows, but we really felt that that was some sort of conviction that what I felt into was true and it was coming. I had no idea how it was gonna manifest But it did, nine months later. But before we go there, 
Let me briefly tell you about every time I have one of these mega collective experiences that I have to go through it myself personally. <laughs> oh, it's so much fun. <laughs> and I really do appreciate this experience so much, but at the time it was pretty challenging. So two days later, I am completing a harpe ceremony. The person serving me was a friend and I had another dear friend with me too. We were checking in about our journey and listening to my friend share sounded a lot like my experiences normally. She was floating, she was connected to herself, to nature, she had beautiful insights and realizations. But that day I had a very contrasting experience. I could barely register what she was saying because I was so dark and numb on the inside. I had found myself in a very dark tunnel and that ceremony had unlocked something inside of me that had been suppressed for a very long time. This darkness, this shadow that was really wanting to be expressed. When I began sharing, I don't remember what I said, but I know it was awful. I really went there to the truth about life, my existence, and I felt that I was in a really bad place at the time. And to other people, a perceived failure. I had very little income trickling in. I didn't have a home. I didn't have a car. I just completed a really challenging relationship. I was an emotional mess. I was free, but I didn't feel like I belonged anywhere. I was just floating, aimless. I couldn't see an end to my pain and suffering in my mind and certainly in my body. I was in pain so much, pretty much all day at the time. And after years and years of feeling this way, eventually you just don't want to be alive. Why be in a body when you're in this much pain? And I'd had many of these moments before and I was having that one on top of everything else I was feeling. My beautiful friends held space. They sat there, they listened, they were very attentive and asked very easy, simple questions at the time to help me dig myself out of my own grave because I was sharing with them I just need to find a way. I'm not going to go on. This is it. I'm done. I don't want to be here. It's so hard to believe that I said that, that I felt that, but it was very true. And I felt the presence of a very dark energy brewing inside of me that wanted a voice and the realization that I was the voice. And I'm not going to go down that road <laughs> right now. It's a really amazing journey that I'm very excited to share. Integrating the dark with the light is so important. And um, so much has come out of it. But I promise to share that in a future episode. So to end the risk of getting off topic, I will wind it back and let you know that I had that experience. I tasted that wave of death and I wanted to leave and thanking my dear friends for their love, their support and their compassion. They were able to find something. It was a lifeline that I could grab onto. It's like they were fishing and they were helping me seek the things that I wanted to live for. 
stuff that was coming up in the not too distant future and I was able to grab onto some really amazing experiences that I had lined up over the next couple of months and it was enough to get me through. I had enough will to live, maybe not forever, but certainly for a few days, which I built on the next few days and the next few days. So during these times, we have to have hugs. We need to have beautiful women holding each other, womb on womb, heart to heart, crying together, not trying to fix it, not trying to solve it, but just being there for each other. And same with the men. I'm just saying women because I'm a woman and that's what I was experiencing. But we really do need this. The isolation and the separation and the fear that every human is a walking disease is really not helping. In fact, it is so destructive during these times. And I know what isolation is like. Oh, yes, do I know. (laughs) And I certainly know what it's also like to be surrounded by beautiful people who love you, who see you, who get you and have been through similar experiences and just so happen to be at a different stage in life at that moment and preferably a different band of frequency (laughs) when you're in hopelessness perhaps they're in a state of love and they can remember what that's like and just be there and these experiences are so enriching to our lives oh my goodness because I have been that low I can meet so many people at that place and I haven't had to do this too much. Thank goodness. It's a sign that the people that I love that are around me in my life are doing really well. But whenever they have slipped into a really dark place, I know that I can be there and do what my friends did for me. Now we're back to nine months later where this wave of death had reached humankind. And I find it interesting that you can look at this either way. I don't mean to box people up into these narrow-minded perspectives, but for the sake of making a point, if you're someone who sees that there's a real pandemic unfolding and lots of people dying, well, there's your wave of death. If you're someone more like me who sees the way that this has been handled as causing the harm, the deaths through suicide and through medical injuries, Again, there's your wave of death. Either way, we're experiencing it. It's real. And is this the moment that I was talking about where we all have to choose life because it's so much more intense. Things are being amplified at the moment. The level of pressure that this will create on so many levels and domains of life may make people question their existence. In fact, it already has. It's going to be the ultimate test of our will to live and our will to thrive. Perhaps for some people, this decision has already been made. They are destined to leave. But I don't see that as failing or giving up. How could I? Whether we enter the death space or we're still here in this reality, we are all going through this healing crisis together from all vantage points. What if the greatest work we do is when we're on the other side that has the most impact on humankind and earth? We don't really know. I'm going to share with you how this whole Orwellian nightmare unfolded in front of my eyes because it has a lot of relevance to this story. 
and I didn't really get to express it. <laughs> I cut myself off from speaking publicly pretty soon into the process. So yeah, there's a little bit of relief. I'm feeling it wash over me in my system. I finally get a voice. Oh, how exciting. Please don't go off track. <laughs> I've really got to reel this in because, I mean, I've been renowned for just going off on track in many different tangents and stories, let alone an epic conversation like this. So I will try to be succinct. But basically, when everything unfolded and I heard information coming from all different sources, whether that was government officials, health officials, the mainstream media, alternative media, was mostly registering as a lie in my body. I can't argue with that. I don't know how anyone else can. When you know something isn't true, you know. And my goodness, was I surprised at the sheer number of people who seemingly weren't registering this as well. They were all going along with it. So whilst all these campaigns went out about flattening the curve and wearing masks, I was standing back in awe of what I was seeing. This was the dystopian nightmare I had watched and read about many times throughout my life coming real right in front of me. And I wasn't surprised because for so long we have been giving away our rights while allowing them to be taken away from us. This has always been going on, but now the curtain has been drawn. And I just thought more people would be shocked. I really did, but I don't know. It was strange. I didn't have this experience with my partner or my loved ones, my soul pod, but certainly with everyone else, I would mention things like inconsistencies, contradictions, and as time went on, giant human rights abuses. And it's like what I said would normally register in the past to the other person, but in this case, it was water off a duck's back. They didn't want to engage in what I was talking about and would change the conversation with a response that came straight from the mouth of a politician or a health official or a news anchor. And I was really worried because people weren't thinking for themselves. I spoke my truth a couple of times publicly at the very beginning, and I was definitely met with some resistance. But what I was noticing was I felt this strange energy in social media that I'd never really noticed before. And I'd noticed a lot of energies before. <laughs> this was a new one. This was the end of the possibility that anything is true. And all I could feel was this energy of control sucking people into this drama vortex. It didn't take me long to realize that I needed to get out. A good friend reminded me that where I spent most of my time thinking, where I was placing my thoughts, where my awareness residing is something that I needed to monitor because it has such an impact on my direct reality. That wisdom landed in me in a way that I embodied pretty quickly. <laughs> And it was a big journey of embodying. It didn't happen overnight, but I began that process immediately. And I withdrew all of my energy from social media. So I went from someone who was very outspoken and on it all the time, especially because I was running an online business, to really saying nothing except to my close friends. 
those are the only people I really spoke my truth to. But of course, I could not stay out of this drama. How can one? (laughs) You get roped in so many times. And over the months, I did get roped in. Every new restriction. Oh, I watched the whole process unfold inside of me. No, they will certainly not make the children wear masks as well. No, they surely can't lock us in our homes for much longer. Absolutely not will I participate in this medical experiment. They can't treat me as a second-class citizen. What? They're coming for our children? In the largest human medical experiment we have ever undergone in history? Oh my goodness, I felt every one of these deep within inside. But it wasn't this anger at the system because I dealt with that pretty early on. Actually, (laughs) in a really powerful way, I was with a group of hundreds and hundreds of people online and we did an epic closure on the crown virus and the control that it has over us. We completed our agreement with it. And of course, many more things unraveled since, but I had a new relationship with the whole situation. No longer did I see this bad government entity or these controllers coming out to get me. I saw something else, which I'm going to get into a lot later. Not now, (laughs) but just for the purpose of this part of the stream, I want you to know that I was seeing everything coming my way as an opportunity. If I got emotionally triggered by the next new thing, I would look deep within and work out where the source of that was coming from. Where was I wounded? Where did I not feel free in myself? Where did I not feel sovereign in myself? Because I knew that my reality was a direct result of my internal reality. And if something was showing up in my external reality, it was beautifully orchestrated by life for me to notice this issue and actually lean into it, alchemize it, heal it, complete it. And I was aware that this massive situation that we were in could potentially be the exact scenario that humankind called for, for us to really gain back our power because it wasn't lost March 2020. It was lost years ago. This is a situation that turns the world on its head. It's an opportunity in an epic disguise. If you're hearing some background noise, my hood is incredibly active this afternoon and I'm not stopping in the middle of a stream, so we're going to keep going. So what did I do next? Well, I pulled all of my energy out of social media. I deleted all of my accounts and instead of scanning through alternative news and looking at what was going on in the world of COVID, I directed my energy back into me, into my own inner journey and my own creative processes, which just so happens to be the best decision I made. (laughs) And as a result, I don't mean to brag, but 2020 was the best year of my life until 2021, (laughs) until 2022. So I started to turn in a whole different direction. And I know that because I have been using this experience as an opportunity, it is doing exactly what natural law intends. If you apply pressure, you get a diamond. If you infiltrate negative dark forces, you get positive forces. If you try and disempower, you get empowerment. 
if you lose your job, you reinvent yourself. It's a whole different energy. And I was riding it and I still am. Fortunately, most of my friends are. So I'm in a really amazing space surrounded by people doing the same thing that I'm doing. Around the same time, I started to hear information about mass formation and mass psychosis. And a lot of this was making sense why so many people were buying into this pandemic reality. And I began watching some podcasts and webinars by Jason Kristoff, who is a self-sabotage coach. And through his journey, he seems to have worked out that our experiences are a result of our choices, actions and behaviors. Probably pretty obvious, (laughs) but our choices, actions and behaviors have been highly influenced and hugely modified by other interests, external parties to a point where so many people are not actually in charge anymore. And we had allowed them to. And that our most addictive behavior is a result of us brainwashing ourselves. And we can change all of that and stop self-sabotaging our lives. His work took me back to the many times I'd learned about the power of the subconscious mind over the years, whether it was marketing in my 20s or studying NLP when I was trying to become a coach, (laughs) all those things. And what stood out for me was how easily humans are influenced and led by words, sounds and repetition. One particular webinar, he shared that the subconscious mind counts and looks for repetition because if everyone else is doing it, It must be the right way or the best way or the safest way. And this is a pretty beautiful function of our brain, especially in other times where perhaps we lived off the land and we saw how all the other farmers farmed, how we safely prepared food. We watched all the people walk a certain way to the waterhole because this led to a safer way of doing things, more abundance of crops, not getting attacked by something on the way to collect water. It sounds like a function of our brains that served a really wonderful purpose. But in these times, this function has been purposely hijacked and used against us. And isn't that a help us? In fact, it's that a hinder us. And in my case, especially when it comes to physical and mental health. During one webinar, he shared a clear example of a direct attempt to influence us in a pretty negative way. So this was the movie Bad Mums, and he was showing a scene towards the end where they're all partying, they're celebrating, the themes are liberation, freedom, I do what I want, authenticity, this is what it means to be a real mum. And in the very same scene, you see so much alcohol, I'm talking hundreds of bottles and glasses, a ridiculous amount you could only say was staged. Like, let's put as much alcohol as we possibly can in this scene. It's covering, littering bench tops on the ground, there's women sculling and drinking. And yeah, I know this stuff actually happens in parties. I used to have parties like that where I'd wake up and there were hundreds of bottles and glasses on the ground. It was just such a ridiculous amount. I was like, oh, that feels incredibly staged. It feels like women are being targeted to drink more. 
and your subconscious mind is busy at work counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and so on. Every single time it sees alcohol, it registers alcohol, it connects it to the scene. Oh, if I want to be a free mom, a cool mom, a bad mom, a liberated mom, whatever that may be, I better drink or I won't belong to the tribe. And whether that alcohol was purposely planted to create that level of influence or not, I cannot help but think that this is why we see such self-sabotaging behavior in so many people. I mean, let's just look at alcohol for a second. It's a depressant. It's poisonous. There is literally no safe level to drink. It has no benefits that you cannot find in really healthy food. Yet it is so common that it's almost weird to not drink alcohol. And I know that might sound a little strange now, like it's alcohol, it's sociable, it's everywhere. I'm talking about how did it get to this state? How are people so influenced to drink at such excessive amounts so dangerously? And I know because I used to be one of those people. I have some great stories to share about that. (laughs) That really helped me on my health journey. But I really started to get this self-sabotaging behavior and the power of seeing repetition over and over again. So what did I do? (laughs) Well, of course, I took inventory of all the things that I was exposing myself to. All of the music I'd listened to over the years. I used to listen to really lame pop when I was very young, a tween. And then punk rock when I was a teenager. And as I got into my 20s, I listened to really tasteless hip hop, like terrible hip hop, not good hip hop. So, yeah, I wonder what that did. I thought about all the television programming that I'd exposed myself to. And there were themes, relentless themes of drama. So much drama. (laughs) I mean, there was comedy, but there was a lot of darkness and dark comedy There was a lot of dystopians and hopelessness and humanity going down a horrible direction, basically the end of the world. And I'm looking around and I'm thinking about all of this. Oh my gosh, I read George Orwell's 1984 in school. That was in my curriculum. It was in my parents' curriculum, probably in many countries all over the world. Why were we fed that book? Was it to warn us? Or was it our homework? Was it our job to read that story and create that reality with the power of our thoughts and our mind? I thought back to all the times that I was speaking my truth online about what was happening in the world. I was spreading fear. Was I helping that gain legs? Are the very things that we're trying to warn the world about are the exact thing we're unknowingly help creating. And I've thought about this before, but I always got stuck on that fine line of, yeah, but I don't want to end up spiritually bypassing things and ignoring and being ignorant. No, 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 no. I certainly don't want to go down that road. But do I want to keep focusing on a reality that isn't happening right now that could potentially happen by the fact that I'm involved in creating that? But where do I want my awareness residing? What do I want to be thinking about? And I know that my life changed so much the moment I started withdrawing my energy from social media and all forms of media. So the next stop was television. 
oh, that was hard. <laughs> I love television shows. I have always loved them. From growing up on a farm where there was only so much playing you could do outside with your siblings, there were many afternoons spent in front of the TV. I love shows. And at times I felt I really needed them, especially at times where I was in so much pain, practically immobile, and I would spend days, weeks on the couch watching television and learning what I thought I was learning, not knowing that I was being subliminally messaged to this whole time. Yet knowing that, but pretending that what I was watching wasn't like that or justifying that, no, I'm not falling for any of that. The issue was you can't see it. Oh, it's so amazing. And I do have so much love for television. I see that it can be done in a really conscious way where shows are really there to support people, not manipulate them into thinking or acting differently or buying certain things. I want to write a sitcom. I have a dream of writing a comedy that is so funny and gorgeous and captures the quirkiness of humans and all of our connections. And I think I'm going to do that when I'm about 70. That's my prediction there. And I'm going to have a great time. So there is hope for all of these things. But right now, oh my goodness, do you have to filter this stuff out? Like I took the red pill on music years ago. Most music I can't listen to because I know what's happening when I listen to it. And now I was taking the red pill on the one thing I didn't want to take it on, which was television. So what happened was this. I had watched The Afterlife by Ricky Gervais, two seasons. Then I had my realization and watched the third season. So we're going to do a bit of before and after. And I will preface this by saying that that man is amazing for what he did at the Golden Globes. And I don't feel that he is intended to subliminally message people or destroy their lives. I think he wrote a beautiful story about the truth of grief and losing someone that you have such a strong connection with. Nobody can understand and you perhaps never think you'll have that connection again. However, <laughs> there's a lot of themes of alcohol Oh, so many scenes of pouring glasses of wine over wine and sitting at a table with a wine bottle and many scenes at the pub or it's coffee and there's themes of poverty and depression and mental illness and overall failure, people that you don't want to be nor aspire to become. And when you're watching this and you're absorbing all this, it's having an impact on your subconscious mind. You're counting all the alcohol bottles, you're you're counting how many people are impoverished, you're encountering how many people have mental health issues, and that starts to create your experience of reality. That starts to tell you that this is normal to expect this, that this is a safe way to be because everyone else is doing it. Well, <laughs> after taking red pill after red pill my whole life, you soon work out that if everyone else is doing it, stop and go the other direction. It's true for the stock market, if you want to interpret it that way, but it's true for everything. Honestly, if everyone's doing it, you got to stop. And I guess that will hit a tipping point where that won't be the case. Lots more people will be doing the thing that is healthy and supportive for life and beneficial to all humans, including themselves. But right now, the tipping point is still in the majority of people are not living a life that you want to mimic are not healthy, are not thriving, are not happy. 
and are really sick, mentally and physically. That's where we're at right now. So I noticed that before watching the third season, I'd had about a week off watching TV at night, noticing that I went to bed feeling, yeah, tired, ready for sleep, but I had so much vitality and life force running through me. I felt good about my day. I was proud for not watching TV. And then after watching television for one night, two episodes of The Afterlife, firstly, I was horrified because I couldn't unsee the programming. Not that it was intentional. <laughs> Sorry, Ricky. But it was that's the impact it was having on me. That was my experience of it. But when I went to bed, I felt awful. I felt sluggish, tired, zapped, like my whole life had been taken from me and sucked into this box. So firstly, I felt the impact of TV, but my mood was awful. It was mimicking the people in this show. I went to bed and I was miserable. I woke up and I felt miserable again. I went to the beach. I spent nearly two hours walking, doing qigong, dancing, singing, flying, (laughs) swimming, (laughs) all the things that I love to do at the beach. And only walking back to my car did it hit me. Oh, thank goodness, I'm myself again. I felt I was out of my body for that long and had to do so much work on me just to come home again. And that's what television was doing to me. It was taking me out of me. So I'm sure you can guess what happened next. The TV was unplugged that day and popped in our guest room and we haven't turned it back on since. And when I do, I'm going to be very careful about what shows I pick. Even if I want to watch a dystopian because I'm excited about it, I need to be aware of what it's doing to my mood and my experience of life because those shows can make you feel so much fear and hopelessness in our future, darkness in our future. And I'm also going to monitor my energy and mood before and after watching the television show. But I have a feeling that's the end of TV on a regular basis. I feel like it'll be the odd movie, the odd TV series when I'm going through a big phase and I need to stay on the couch. (laughs) I could be processing something big or maybe I'm sick or unwell at the time. Then yeah, I can imagine that I would happily watch TV again. But yeah, the majority of television and us are done for a while. So that feels really good. Then I had one of those amazing experiences where after my insight, my reality matches it by giving me the perfect experience to confirm what I was feeling and knowing and sensing about this mind control that's going on through our television. The very last show before watching those couple of episodes of The Afterlife was a pretty funny show. I enjoyed it thoroughly. It was The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, I believe it's called. And the main character is a comedian. She is gorgeous and very funny. I loved listening to her jokes and all the little quirky parts of her personality that came out. One of those being she loved baking brisket and had a special way of doing it. I know it sounds like a strange observation to make. It didn't stand out to me at the time, only now that I've had this bizarre experience. You see, I was cooking for a group of friends who weren't well. I went down to get some meat to make a stew. And I went to pick up the meat that I normally get to make this type of stew. 
I picked up a large piece of brisket and thought, that's the right cut. That's what I'm after. And I went home, opened it up, started cutting it and realized this isn't the right cut of meat. (laughs) It's full of fat. I did not expect this. So I picked up the wrapping and realized, oh my goodness, I brought brisket. I have never bought brisket in my life. I've never cooked with it, never had any intention to. And I stood there in the supermarket holding it up going, that's the right cut of meat. That's what I always get. (laughs) Damn you, Mrs. Maisel. (laughs) I couldn't believe it. It was just a few mentions in a couple of shows. And I know that this is a really bizarre, slightly exaggerated example of how this programming works. But that's the silly kind of things that happen to me when I get insights is that I see how it shows up in the world in a really exaggerated way so I can get a taste of what's really going on. And that's what's going on. Whether we are being purposely manipulated or not, whether it's positive or negative on our lives, which would be unique and different for every person, but also there would be a lot of themes that would be the same for all of us. We are being brainwashed all the time and we can't escape it. Everything we expose ourselves to, people, environments, our home, media, every time we open our phone, every time we turn on our computer, this is all brainwashing. All we can do is choose how we want to wash our brain with what detergent do we choose. And I'll tell you what, if you let society choose for you, you're going to end up a reflection of society. And that is not something to aim for, in my opinion. You have to make a conscious choice and pull yourself out of that vortex of control and manipulation and propaganda and lies and the many things that we know but also the subtle ways that we are influenced and we believe it's safe to do something that's inherently wrong for us, for our lives and for our bodies. So yeah, it was a huge realization. And I've got to say, I'm a different person since we got rid of the TV. I go to bed, I feel great. I wake up, I feel great. My mood feels different like never before. This is me. Oh my gosh, this is the real me. Me without all the things that were making me feel horrible about life and hopeless and dreading my future. This is me without so much conditioning and programming. What if the real me is a really happy person who loves her life, who's content, who appreciates her life, is so happy to be here, who's chosen life finally? Ah, well, it is. (laughs) That's me. That's who I am beyond all of this programming, all of this conditioning. And then I was wondering about everybody else and this mass formation, this mass psychosis, this giant spell that humankind seemed to be under and how many people are waking up from this, how many people are finding themselves. We don't need to do anything but know who we are. Take away all the things that are stopping us from feeling and sensing the truth of who we are. And not only is it this mind control and programming, it's the very things that they mind control and program you to go and do. When we drink excessive amounts of alcohol, when we drink 
caffeinated substances. I don't want to go into detail because that's a huge side tangent. And I'm so sorry to all the coffee drinkers. I was a big fan. (laughs) Just don't listen to my episodes in the future about them if you really don't want to know. But it is unbelievable what these two substances do to us and how it impacts our ability to think for ourselves and our natural rhythms. Oh my goodness, beyond all the health issues, it's huge. So we will go there. But it's just amazing this onslaught of here, have these, numb yourself, become a zombie. And then I'm like, oh, well, all those zombie dystopians that I was watching and dreamt about for years on end, nightmare after nightmare of every different way our world could be taken over by zombies, health ones, technological ones, alien ones. I have an endless supply of zombie sitcoms available for anyone who wants to use them based on all of my dreams. But the thing is, they were always set in the future and it's here. We are here right now experiencing people who are not functioning their own mind, who do not have cognitive liberty. And it is so subtle and so saturating and it affects everybody. It's huge. So then I started thinking about the word COVID, that fucking word. Oh my goodness. I'm so over it. Who isn't? It's the worst word. (laughs) Think about how many times you see that word a day when you're driving on the highway or sitting on the train, looking at billboards, when you're walking in and out of businesses, every time you open your phone, how many times do you hear someone speak it? And I'm sorry to add it to your quota this day. I'll try not to use it again as much as possible. Now, have a feel into this word, say it out loud and think back to experiencing it, seeing it, hearing it, whatever that may be, How do you react? What goes on inside your body? How do you feel? I don't think there's anyone on earth jumping up and down going, yes, I love this word besides that weird alien with glasses that keeps telling people what we should do about it. I think he's literally the only one who loves that word. Everyone else, no matter which fucking side of the fence you're sitting on (laughs) of the many convoluted yards, (laughs) by the way, it's not either or, But wherever you stand, I guarantee that word invokes a pretty negative response, whether that's anger, fear, terror, isolation, death, upset, whatever that may be. Now times that by every single time you are seeing or hearing that word, there is a subtle reaction going on inside of your body. The real virus is COVID. It's the word. It is a giant experiment on programming, whether it was intentional or not. And I suspect it is because it has just been pumped through the media. And I'd understand that if it was a genuine, obvious pandemic, but it's not really looking like it is. It's a really serious situation. But oh my goodness, did that toothpaste tube get squeezed and squeezed. It just kept going and going and there was so much programming. And what happens when you tell 7 billion people 50 to 100 to maybe a thousand times a day and have that response 
subtly going on inside of them. We are so powerful. We know what happens when people come together in groups with a shared intention. This is unknown, the level of power going into this. Because I am certain, based on my experiences, that what I'm exposing myself to helps create my future. It projects into my future. So even if there wasn't a quote-unquote pandemic, can you see how we created one? (laughs) If you can call it that. (laughs) But you know what I mean? It's like, well, all you got to do is tell people there's a pandemic and you'll have one. It's pretty amazing how this stuff works. And it fucking sucks because it's been expressed in the shadow side. But... (laughs) We can only go one way from there, and that is, well, what if this amazing superpower that humankind hold collectively, that we now know the real power of, can be used for something good, for something that actually supports humanity in a wonderful way. This is our superpower. And of course, we're going to experience this as a shadow side first, but if you follow the gene keys, And I do lightly. (laughs) I don't really know that much about them. But one thing I've experienced in myself is when I read my gene keys, I saw that throughout my life, the times when I was expressing the shadow side of that gene key. And at some stage in my life, I moved into the gift expression. And this is what we are doing collectively. Our superpower can be used for a force of good. Oh my goodness, what can we do if we're all directing our energy into our true nature? What is true and real for each person? Our natural genius, our expression, our authenticity. What if it was being directed into our healing modalities and into our farming and forestry and all these different avenues that we could pick? Oh my goodness. And I can see that this will happen because so many people are tuning out of Facebook and they're tuning out of corporate media. They can see and feel the lies because their radar for being lied to is heightened. And that's what happens when humanity awaken. And this awakening process has been going on just as long as the process of our rights being taken away. It's so funny because... We've already won. (laughs) Not that I want to relate to a spiritual war, but the first domino was kicked over a long time. We're just watching it all happen. The speed of humankind waking up is so rapid. I suspect that that's why we are seeing these intense, pathetic, weak control measures trying to come over us. This fucking toothless monster It is just a joke. They are putting such pressure on humanity to control them because they know they have lost. They don't have enough time because of the speed of our awakening is so fast. They actually played a really good game for a while. Take some rights away. We allow it. We protest. They back off then they push a bit further. And I think Jordan Peterson say this on a podcast that it's these incremental pushbacks and us allowing it every time that gets us to where we are today, which is potentially communism and an Orwellian nightmare. But when you then go down hard, it's too hard because people are realizing it's moronic and stupid and they're waking up. 
And this is why they're tuning out because they know that something's not right. It's a really great sign. These really intense forces seem the worst at the moment, but actually it's a healing crisis point. And I don't really want to talk about us and them and they and the controllers and the powers that be, however you want to call it, without mentioning that, hmm, (laughs) on a grander scale, they're probably a reflection of us. They are reflecting out what's going on inside our own relationship with power or lack of, our own relationship with freedom or lack of our own relationship with our personal sovereignty or lack of, and our cognitive liberty or lack of. I'm not surprised that we're seeing this. Everyone is playing such a powerful role. Whether you're a resistance fighter, whether you're complying, whether you're controlling this whole thing, and whether you're sitting on the fence by standing the whole thing, we are all playing a really important role. We're kind of all in this together as far as I can see because because right now the people who are complying are providing a really powerful reflection for their loved ones who are waking up. They're watching them going, oh my gosh, I can't believe that they said that. I can't believe that they don't want to see me anymore, that they don't feel safe with me around because I'm not jabbed. And I want to get into those roles a little down the track and not really (laughs) in the context of this whole thing, more in a general context of the same types of behaviors that we see throughout history. Beyond this current crisis, all of those archetypes have a role and it's really hard to see at the time, but pretty enlightening in hindsight. So we can have a huge influence over what we choose to wash our brains with every single day. One thing that is very relentless, though, is that nasty word it is always about. And it occurred to me one day, we need to reprogram what this word means. (laughs) And of course, my friend very quickly shared with me afterwards a post. I think it was from Facebook. I don't know who it was, but they were talking about creating our vision in detail instead of COVID. So every time you see that word, you're tuning to your vision. And I loved that idea so much that someone was out there already reprogramming what that word means to them. I wasn't too excited about visions and details and creating. That all sounds kind of hard and from an old era. So back and forth between my friends, eventually it came to calling our vibration into dreaming. Oh, it's so us and so honoring of where we're from, the beautiful country of Australia and the dreaming and the calling. It's a sound. It's the vibration. It's the frequency. So when we call our vibration, our frequency, who we are into the dreaming. The dreaming is where these new realities emerge from. They are imagined and they are dreamed. So much is happening as we're dreaming, but in the dream space that happens all the time when we're not sleeping. This is the vibration that's holding these realities in existence, including the one we're in, which is turning into a bit of a nightmare, 
But very interesting and one you want to stick around for. I think we've got some interesting times ahead, challenging and empowering all at the same time. But also what we're stepping into because there's no new reality to create or build (laughs) based on mental concepts and things that we try to think up from this reality. This is why so many of these quote unquote new earth creations fail because they come from this reality. There's nothing that needs to be built. It is a very natural process that we dream of and relax into. And over the last little while where I have been redirecting my energy into much better things, I have been experiencing so many of these realities, whole new ways of being in community, in relationships, in collaborations, in business, in finance, so much. And it all happened naturally. And I'm going to share so much more on this in future episodes, but I got to tell you, that was a pretty fun game to play that every time I drove past a sign, a billboard or saw the word COVID, I would be like calling our vibration into dreaming. And I really fucking meant it because I'm like, this stupid disaster is assisting the world that we actually want. There's a lot of people out there wanting things to go back to normal. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, fuck no. Trust me, I don't want to be there. That was the world I constantly questioned. I didn't think I belonged to. This is the world where I'm shining. My life has gotten better every day since March 2020 because I am built for these times. I have been in training my whole life. I was so miserable in the old paradigm because I knew deep down unconsciously that I was here for a different way of being, a different reality. And not only be here for it, to pioneer it with millions of other amazing people like you. (laughs) I'm so glad that you're here and I can't wait to meet you and talk to you about this. Oh, it feels so exciting. So there is truth in it. This situation has unfolded to project us and push us into more of who we truly are. So the word COVID is actually calling our vibration into dreaming. It amazes me, this discovery. It's making me be more of who I want to be. And I realize not everyone's situation is the same. Lots of people have gone through horrible experiences. Many people have lost jobs that they really love. But I also know that if you're being pushed out of something, listen Sometimes we think we're in the best thing until we reinvent ourselves and then truly know what we were desiring, what we were dreaming in. All of those amazing people working in these roles that no longer are, fuck it, I don't want you there. I want you building the new reality with us. Please reinvent yourself. Come out as a new expression that is free so free to express who you are, your natural genius, and serve the world without the limitations you previously had in your job. This is more of what we want to see in the world. This situation is pushing many of us into becoming more of who we are. You can't eat in restaurants. Well, you know what? All I wanted to do is stop eating out and eat the beautiful, fresh, organic food that I buy from my local markets and cook the exact meal that my body needs that day. You can't go to a pub. Well, I don't want to drink alcohol and I don't like those places anymore. 
I'm meeting my friends in nature, not a busy, noisy cafe. (laughs) And so many things have shifted in a really positive way. Communities are coming together. They are working out how they can experience a mutual, beneficial, thriving lifestyle amongst each other with less reliance on a system that inherently doesn't care about them. We are finding ourselves in places that are more attuned to who we are. So in one aspect, just one angle, we are getting pushed so far out of this reality that all we can do is pioneer our new one. And that is so simple. Find out who you are beyond all the bullshit. Map the themes in your life and your greatest pains and sufferings and what they have taught you. Start doing things where you get to express what you truly love to do. Get in your genius zone. Be a massive protective mama bear about what your zone is and apply yourself in that space, however it looks. Open yourself up to meeting new people who can support you and you can support them. Stay connected as much as you can and remove yourself from the drama if you get sucked in. Know when it's time to pull yourself back and reclaim your unique energy and direct it into who we want to become. Start using this superpower wisely and start tuning in to the frequency that you want to beam out to the world. Is it creation? Is it love? Is it happiness? Is it safety? Is it joy, wellness, or good health? And broadcast that message to the world because this is a superpower (laughs) that is the only technology required of humankind at this time. And on top of that, women come together. Men come together. Find each other because we are so powerful in these spaces. And also when we come back together. And what do you do once you choose life? Well, you go into the dreaming. You call your vibration into dreaming. And you enjoy this wonderland for everything that it has to offer. When I got really connected into this amazing superpower (laughs) that humanity have and what it would be like to direct it into one area... I got the perfect example show up in my reality. Oh, I love this stuff. So I found a webinar that I joined on centropic farming. It's not too well known. I don't think there's too much you can find out about it, but I was luckily introduced to it by a beautiful man who was so passionate, who learned it from someone in Brazil. I am so appreciating this level of connection to the land and innovation. The potential of this type of farming is to revive springs, water systems, without having to pump water. (laughs) It's to grow entire forests full of food that provide not only food, but hardwood timber. And to do so in all types of land, whether it's really fertile already or quite rugged and arid. Oh man, did I see potential. (laughs) They were showing so many farms of how quickly they rejuvenated land that was completely cleared and turned back into a thriving forest 
full of food within 15 years time, less sometimes 10 years. And I looked at this and I saw real hope. And I knew in every part of my being that when humanity are ready to course correct, and it's a process, we've already started, but when we're really on board and we start directing our energy into these types of amazing innovations, such as centropic farming, we can regenerate the whole earth so quickly. We can clean it up. And of course, I went off in many different tangents, visiting all domains of life, knowing that there's someone out there with an amazing, oh, I don't want to say the word solution, but a whole new way of moving forward in that area, whether it's health or studies or the early stages of life and what it would be like to live in a reality where we're thriving in these domains of life where we're directing our energy into these incredible ways of moving forward. It really won't take that long. (laughs) And I feel so excited, (laughs) happy, and honestly a little proud that this is something that we were playing with in Grail Leadership a few years ago. We wanted to build realities full of these round tables round tables that were dedicated to these exact type of things that that had a whole different vision and a new way forward based on the deep amount of integration that they've done, the huge amount of responsibility that they've taken for their life, the clarity that they have on their original intention and what they're here to bring through and how that forms into a vision. And then, and then they call people to sit with them around the round table who are all wanting the same thing and allowing that to emerge. This is what's possible. And I just feel, oh my goodness, my massive experience is so connected to my purpose, (laughs) my original intention and my involvement in Grail Leadership. So, oh, choosing life, done. (laughs) Calling our vibration into the dreaming, doing. And there will be more chapters on this in the future because I feel I'm going to have a lot to share about this. And if you have a lot to share about this too, or even an insight that you received through listening to this episode today, I would love for you to go to my website, send me a message and tell me all about it. I'm so happy and honored that you were here for my very first stream. I sure hope you will be here for future ones to come. Wow. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you making the space in your life to tune into this episode of Streaming Wisdom. I trust you enjoyed it so much that you're about to share it with a loved one who may welcome this wisdom being sent their way. So you're aware I'm not on social media at the time of this release. So if you wish to say hello, ask a question, or browse my current offers, go to grailleadership.earth forward slash streaming wisdom. And the best way to stay in touch is to subscribe on my website where you can receive my seasonal email musings and a heads up when new episodes are released. If you have received greatly from Streaming Wisdom and feel an urge to give back, 
here are my most cherished ways of receiving your appreciation. One is to share an episode on social media or with a loved one. Another is to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and reviews are very welcomed. You can also make a financial contribution via the podcast page. Again, that's braille-leadership.earth forward slash streaming wisdom. However you contribute, know that it fills my heart and fuels more episodes of streaming wisdom. Thank you again, wise one. See you next time.